but have a $100 bill because in a serious jam, if you shove a $100 bill in somebody's face and say, take me to this location or let me out the back of your restaurant, I don't care who you are. If you got a $100 bill under your nose, you're going to take it, which is why it almost always works. You're listening to Financial Grown Up with me, certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, author of How to Be a Financial Grown Up. And you know what? Being a grown up is really hard, especially when it comes to money. But it's okay. We're going to get there together. I'm going to bring you one money story from a financial grown up, one lesson, and then my take on how you can make it your own. We got this. Hey, grownups, if you are like me, you love to read, but if we're being honest, it doesn't happen. The time just flies and the intention does not become reality. So do what I do. Get the intel you want in a way that matches your schedule. I recently started using the Blinkist app and I love it. It puts the content of books that you want to read into powerful summaries called blinks, usually just a minute at a time. A whole book can be 15 minutes-ish, just like this podcast, right on your favorite device. Text or audio totally fits your lifestyle. I am obsessed. Go to bobbyrebell.com forward slash Blinkist for a free trial and to support the show. So much talk about blockchain, Bitcoin, not to mention digital wallets, Apple Pay, all that stuff. What about cold, hard cash? Do you still carry it? I don't carry much at all if we're being honest, but I am rethinking that now that I talk to our guest and you will soon understand why, and maybe you'll rethink it too. First, I do want to welcome everyone. And if you are a new listener and enjoy the episode, I hope that you will decide to subscribe and be part of our community. We recently changed our schedule Tuesdays. We now release the classic financial grown-up episodes featuring high achievers who share money stories that we can all learn from. And then on Fridays come financial grown-up guides, which are quick and easy, money tips, tutorials, recommendations, and reviews. Today's financial grown-up is Jason Hansen. He is a best-selling author and a former CIA officer. And in his latest book, he applies the lessons he learned in the CIA to business. The book is called Agent of Influence, How to Use Spy Skills to Persuade Anyone, Sell Anything, and Build a Successful Business. Fun fact, Jason was also a winner on Shark Tank, where he got a deal with Damon John. And we're going to talk about that and so much more. Here is Jason Hansen. Hey, Jason Hansen, you're a financial grown-up. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I have in my hands an advanced copy of your book, which actually will be out by the time that this comes out, this podcast episode comes out, Agent of Influence, How to Use Spy Skills to Persuade Anyone, Sell Anything, and Build a Successful Business. Congrats on the book. Thank you. I appreciate it. I am gushing right now because I remember watching you on Shark Tank where you got a deal with, we're going to talk more about this after your money story, but you got a deal with Damon John and you built something called the Spy Ranch. Yeah, I was incredibly blessed. Shark Tank was huge and we have 320 acres now in Utah that is our Spy Ranch now. All right, we're going to circle back to that and your latest book. But first, you're going to tell us about your experience at the CIA, how that ties in to being a financial grown-up. Your story has to do with cold, hard cash. Go for it. Yeah. So I was incredibly blessed to work for the agency from 2003 to 2010. And you learn that you always have cash on you. 
On one occasion, I had to bribe the police in a foreign country and having good good, uh, hard American cash on you. Um, Many of my associates have had to bribe the police. So that's important. Gets you out of of trouble. Uh, But also you pay cash for everything. You don't want to leave paper trails uh, that you may have been in the country. And plus, when you're trying to recruit an asset, paying cash looks good, meaning you always pick up the tab and then they feel indebted to you and it helps in the recruiting process. So I'm a fan of cold, hard cash. And I'm always amazed at people these days who never carry cash on them, even for emergencies. Okay. But first of all, there are places that no longer take cash, just saying. And we're not all spies, Jason. So for the skeptics out there who say, well, we're going to a digital world, so much interest in things like Bitcoin. What do you say to them? Do you think cash will last forever? And how else does this tie in to financial success? Well, absolutely. It'll last forever. I mean, I'm not saying you have to spend it, meaning I always have at least $300 in cash in my pocket and it has gotten me out of some jams in life. So you can use your American Express or whatever credit card 99% of the time, but if you ever get stranded or you're in a jam, you should always have it on you. Plus, I have it in my house and I have a fireproof safe where I have at least one month's worth of cash and $20 bills in case my family has some kind of financial emergency. Share with us a story, if you can elaborate more on one of these instances, because most of us, as I said, will not be spies and will not be bribing foreigners to get out of jams. Tell us more about one of those situations. So the story is something goes wrong and the police are now around you. I, I can't elaborate beyond that, but I can tell you how to bribe them. The magic words you say is if for some reason, again, something goes wrong, an operation or whatever, and the police are around you, you play the dumb American And you say very innocently, oh my gosh, officer, I'm so sorry. I bet there is some kind of fine to pay. How do I pay that fine? If they're corrupt, they're going to say, well, that fine is 100 bucks, 50 bucks, and you pay me now, which is what happened in my case. If they're not corrupt, they may say, well, there's a fine you pay at the courthouse. So that's the beauty of it. You're not coming off as in you're whipping out a wad of cash saying, hey, buddy, take this. You're playing the stupid American of how do I pay that fine? So the second story, my father and I love to go hiking together. And about once a year, we try and do some big hike. And I live near Zion and Bryce National Park, and I'm a huge fan of the outdoors. So my dad set up this hike, and he was the one who planned it. And, you know, I just show up with all my gear. Well, long story short is the hike was not very well laid out and didn't have a good signage. So we ended up about seven miles from where we were supposed to end up to get our car to go home. And it was very late at night. We've been hiking for a few days and we were exhausted. So my old man is not in the best of shape. So I left him on the side of the road and said, I'm going to take off now hiking this seven miles. Well, what I should have told you earlier, as as we were leaving for this hike, I pulled out my cash as usual and put it in my backpack. And my dad made fun of me and said, you know, what do you think you're going to see a McDonald's in the middle of nowhere? Why are you taking this cash? Just leave it in the car. But I took my cash. Well, I'm hiking exhausted the seven miles on this middle of nowhere dirt road where I was sure I was never going to see anybody. And after a few miles, this truck comes rolling along. I you know, wave him, flag him down, explain to him what happened and say, hey, you mind giving me a ride back to my car? And the guy kind of hems and haws and says, well, you know, it's, it's a long drive back. That's several miles. And I'm like, you know, no kidding, buddy. I'm the one on foot here. And I pulled out $20 and I said, well, what if I give you 20 bucks to drive me the four miles back? Will you do it? And he said, yeah, sure. For $20, I'll absolutely do it. So I pulled out 20 bucks, gave it to him. He took me back to my car and I was able to get back to my dad a heck of a lot quicker than had I not had that cash on me. So you just never know when you're going to need that money. 
Cash is king at the end of the day. I mean, it's easier. You couldn't really transfer a Bitcoin to him. Right. And again, I was in the middle of nowhere in a national park thinking I was going to see nobody. And yeah, this guy wasn't going to take anything but a good old American $20 bill. What is the lesson for our listeners from this? I mean, how much money should they have and, and so on? Well, as I said, I always like at least $300 and I want at least $100 bill out of that. So have the rest in 20s, but have a $100 bill because in a serious jam, if you shove a $100 bill in somebody's face and say, take me to this location or let me out the back of your restaurant, I don't care who you are. If you got a $100 bill under your nose, you're going to take it, which is why it almost always works. For the average person, that's a lot of cash. It's been okay so far. So people might be a little surprised to hear that much. And to carry a $100 bill, a lot of places won't even take $100 bills. I totally get that's a lot of cash. That's why I'm saying you don't have to use it. You may have that same $300 in your wallet or purse for the next 10 years. But I'm a firm believer in insurance. So you know it's the old cliche of, hey, if your house burns down, you're sure glad you have that insurance. If you get in a car accident, you're sure glad you have that insurance, even though you may never need it. Well, same thing. doesn't take up much space. You may never, ever need it. But if you do, trust me, you'll be glad you have it. So one time we needed to get into a parking lot to get access to a car. And there was a guy there working, you know, probably didn't make a whole lot of money, a couple bucks an hour. So we just, it was in a restricted area. We just walked up to him and said, hey, we just need to check something out. You know, you always have some legitimate cover story. And, you know, I realize this is restricted, but I promise we'll be back in 10 minutes. And here's $100 worth your time. Now, that's a week's worth of pay. That's a month's worth of pay, depending on where you are and what country. So the guy accepted it and it worked and we got in and took care of uh, what we needed to take care of. Wow. Okay. Let's talk about your everyday money tip. I asked you to talk about this because it made a lot of sense to me when I was reading your book, which again, it's called Agent of Influence. Checklists. You're into checklists. I am. Checklists are everything. So in the intelligence world, you prepare and you extremely prepare for every situation. You have checklists to make sure you have the right gear, you know, you have spare batteries, you have your flashlight, you have your knife, you, have, you know, whatever it may be. So now in the business world, I do the same thing. Whenever I'm meeting with a client or I'm working with a client, you know, I go through all the checklists. Did I ask him this question? Did I send him this report? Did I do this, this, and this? So I run multiple businesses. And if I didn't remember my checklists, you know, I would forget things. And it's the same thing as my money tip. I have all my expenses. And did I pay this? Did I save this 10% this month that I do X, Y, and Z? So I'm a big believer in making life idiot proof. And that way I can pull out a checklist and say, okay, yes, the $20,000 went here this month or whatever amount it may be. That way nothing falls through the cracks. Let's talk more about your book. So it's called Agent of Influence. One of the things I like about it is that you refer, first of all, you go through very specific examples and you almost have like scripts of how people can execute your ideas. Why are spy skills good business skills? Because there's no difference than a spy recruiting an asset to a business person trying to get a client or a customer make a sale. The only difference is the risk involved. So if I'm a spy and I go over to Russia and I'm trying to recruit a Russian scientist, let's say, If I screw that up, well, then I could end up dead or end up in a foreign prison, which is why spies are the world's best salesman. Now, in the business world, if I screw up, I might lose the deal. So less pressure, but it's the same exact cycle called the SADR cycle, which is spotting, assessing, developing, and recruiting. 
I love to prepare. You talk about the importance of preparation a lot in this book. For example, you even talk about Ben Franklin saying, by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. Tell us more about the best ways to prepare in business. Well, I mean, I'll give you an example. You mentioned that I was fortunate to go on Shark Tank early on. Before my company did a lot of consulting in the corporate world, and Shark Tank kind of opened us up to the masses, the everyday average Joe. Before I went on Shark Tank, I read every book the Sharks had written. I read every article. I watched every episode of Shark Tank and wrote down every single question they asked. That way I knew what kind of questions they asked. By the end, I knew them better than they knew themselves. And I was able to get a deal because of that and because it could drop lines and hints about them personally. So most people don't put in the time and effort. But if I'm trying to close a deal, I will research that person, their likes, their dislikes, their family, you know, what they hate. So I will go in knowing everything. That way I have a very high likelihood of closing that customer. I do that too. I do a lot of research on people that are potential clients, and I think it is very effective. You also talk about the idea of always being teachable. So spies have huge egos, naturally. If you're going to be a spy, you've got to have a a huge amount of self-confidence. But at the same time, you've got to be always willing to learn from others. You've always got to be teachable. So I was fortunate to have some amazing mentors at the CIA, and I was always learning from them. I still learn from them to this day. So I think it's important that you realize you're always the student and then comes the teacher part. So, you know, what I what I say to people when I'm with them is if I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm in the wrong room. I always want to be learning from someone. And you quote Conrad Hall. Um, He's the guy behind the cinematographer, I should say, behind Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. He says, you are always a student, never a master. So I think that's a great mindset quote that you have in there as well. Yeah, I mean, that's 100% true. I mean, I know guys who are almost in their 80s now, and they're still learning, CIA guys. So, you know, I'm not in my 80s yet, but I will never, ever stop learning because that's also what makes life exciting. Jason, thank you so much for this. Where can people follow up with you, learn more about your book, and of course, about Spy Ranch as well? Sure. If they just go to the website, celebritymethod.com, they can talk to me, find out about me, and I got some cool stuff for them there. Awesome. And what are your social channels if people want to follow you there? (laughs) I'm laughing because guess what? I'm not very social. I'm not a social media guy, but if you go to Spy Escape and Evasion on Facebook, other stuff like that, then you can also find me, but I'm not very active. Okay. Fair enough. And your book, I assume, Agent of Influence is in all the places, right? That is correct. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, every major bookseller. Awesome. Thanks, Jason. Thank you. Hey everyone, before we get to my take on the interview, I wanna share a personal story. I recently was in a bookstore and I saw this book that I remember loving, The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. I read it years ago. I wanted to remember the main points, but the truth is my memory's just not that good. And rereading it, probably not realistic given my current schedule, but I had a solution because I had recently discovered an app called Blinkist and sure enough, it was on there. So what Blinkist does is it takes books, including the four-hour work week, and it breaks them down into manageable 15-minute-ish summaries so you can get all the knowledge that you need even if you don't have the time. I love the app so much, I reached out to Blinkist to bring them on board as a partner to the podcast. Get a free trial using my link, bobbyrebell.com forward slash Blinkist. And then please let me know how you like it and what books you are listening to. And thank you for using that link to support the show. Again, it's bobbyrebell.com forward slash Blinkist. 
Here we go. Financial grown-up tip number one. Jason's cash is for emergencies. So if you do choose to carry cash, like $300, including a $100 bill, as he recommends, that is not your spending money. And personally, unless you're going to carry a little notebook and jot down how you spend cash, in terms of your everyday spending money, I prefer to pay for things digitally. So there is a record and you can see very easily the different categories where your money is going. The downside is that we do tend to spend more when we don't see the cash leaving our wallet. And of course, it's harder to set limits. So it's something to balance what's most important to you. But for me, especially with my family of five, I like having the older kids on debit and credit cards so we can see the broader picture of where our family's money is going. But do what works for you. Financial grown-up tip number two. Jason talks a lot about checklists. These can be done literally on a piece of paper, in notebooks, a pad of paper. I tend to sometimes do this with a pen and pencil, paper, whatever, before I go to sleep, whatever's around, I just grab it. And there is something about physically writing it down that makes me feel calmer at night and more motivated in the morning. But there is also a value in using apps, especially when you don't get something done, it can already go forward to continue till you get it done, basically. And also it can have short-term, long-term dates. There's so much functionality in these apps. I happen to use Evernote, but there are also a lot of checklist apps. So I'm gonna give you some examples, but really there are probably thousands out there. Some examples include Todoist, which a lot of my friends use and enjoy. TickTick is also popular. It includes a Pomodoro timer. So that is a productivity strategy that allows you to work in set 25-minute increments. I would love more suggestions because this is not a strong area for me. So please screen grab this episode and add your picks for the best checklist or productivity apps and post it and make sure to tag me so I can thank you. And then if it's okay with you, share your suggestions with the community. Make sure to check out Jason Hansen's book for more great strategies to keep up your money game, including how to extract key information from people in what looks like small talk to somebody who's not trained or hasn't read Jason's book, but I learned that there's a lot more you can get out of a little conversation with somebody that can really help you leverage your goals, whatever your money, your business goals are, that information that you can extract if you learn the right strategies can really be helpful. Big thanks to Jason Hansen. Everyone pick up his book, Agent of Influence, for helping us all get one step closer to being financial grownups. Financial Grown Up with Bobby Rebel is edited and produced by Steve Stewart and is a BRK Media production.